I I kind of saw this, but I kind of blacked out during it. What happened with the cameraman? So basically, there was a guy. You know, there, there was a lot of note made of the fact that like everyone was kind of new to this, both the fans and the media. And some guy was just kind of like running across. He saw a clear path to run from one side of the green to the other. Didn't realize that the reason the path was clear is because he, <laughs> that's where the freaking ball was. I honestly think it, it would have helped JT if he stepped on the ball. I think he would have gotten a free drop and ended up like placing it. And he had a pretty shitty lie as it was. So I think it would have helped him. Was that uh, on the playoff weird. hole? Is that? It was on the playoff hole. He had kind of a, not chunky lie, but a little grass between the ball and him. I think if he were forced to drop there, the ball would have moved towards the hole, and he would would have ended up placing it and, and benefited. But it was just like a weird situation. I don't know if it frazzled him or not. He hit like a bad chip and, and then a bad putt that he walked away from, even though it missed by like an inch and a half. That was wild, because that cameraman, he, it was not a jog. Like, he was fucking sprinting like he was running the 40-yard dash at the combine. I think he... He might have just thought the playoff was only one person, and he saw the one ball uh, on the green and was like, "Oh, I'm I'm good to just sprint through this lane." But uh, yeah, he was wrong. He, was he wrong. just wanted to get a picture of the guy winning the one man playoff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're new to golf down there, Matt. It, it was pretty cool. Though. I get we, we can talk about like the, the course conditions later on. I, I think the the, the so there was some cool stuff in terms of the fans being somewhat new to golf, and I think you heard some new things from them down there, like yelling at the ball in Spanish or <laughs> not yelling the same thing over and over again that you hear at every golf tournament in the state. So there, there were some cool aspects to it. Do you think they yeah. were all yelling, get in the bunker to Justin Thomas in Spanish? <laughs> yeah, maybe they were just yelling mashed potatoes in Spanish. Papitas fritas. Uh, Como yeah, se dice baba booey en español? To your point of uh, JT, JT's putt for par on the playoff hole, yeah, I'd, he putted it like he was rooting for Phil. He basically, I think, just tried to hit like a power hook into the, the left-to-right breaking eight-footer. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's, been, he's actually been doing that a bunch lately where he like, he walks after the ball as if he missed it by like eight inches on an eight-foot putt and like, a couple of them he's made. <laughs> a couple of them he's slipped in. A couple of them he's missed, like, almost got a piece of the hole. Um, I don't know. I think he's feeling he's himself a little bit, as he should. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned how he dunked one on 18 to make it in the playoffs. But uh, I don't know. I think I think a month ago we would have been a very pro, pro-JT pro podcast, but I feel like that tide's turning a little bit. Uh, John, where where are we at as a podcast on Justin Thomas? I mean, I'm a little on the fence. I I was a huge JT fan until about a week ago. The whole kicking the fan out for what seems somewhat docile is kind of a bitch move, in my opinion. And then and instead of like backing it up and saying, yeah, I should have kicked that asshole out, no problem. He was being a dick. He goes and apologizes for it, which makes him look like an even bigger bitch. So, not not on my top list of golfers right now, but I'll let him earn it back. I, I think he, like, as much as I respect how well he's playing, he's just had a few too many incidents lately where 
he's maybe even saying the right thing, but the way he says it just comes off really poorly. And it's, um, I don't know, he's just kind of like whiny. He's got a very punchable face. Um, very punchable. I don't know. It makes, it makes me like him a little bit less. Like that said, I love the way he's playing, and I just like bet on him to win the Masters and a major this year. Like he's just he's playing so well, he's so talented. Like I'm as big a Jordan Spieth fan as there is, and like I wouldn't be shocked if Justin Thomas wins more majors and more tournaments than him. I think he's just adjusting a little bit to the spotlight, if you will. I think Jordan went through some of this a couple of years ago after he had his big come out here too. I think it's just hard. You're getting – he's getting all the attention, all the cameras, all the fans, all the press time afterwards. I think it's just a, a little bit of uh, growing pains in terms of him uh, coming into his zone with the media and the gallery. It, it's almost like he's trying to be like – yeah, he's struggling with the transitions from like the 22-year-old, like up-and-comer to like an established. Sorry, he's like almost trying to be an adult before he's like ready to be an adult, and he's like kind of like the old man on the porch, like yelling at people for for poor behavior and stuff. When it's just like I don't know, he's probably just not established enough to be taking that stance. Yeah, it's either that or he's really just the next Bubba Watson, and this is what we're gonna have to deal with for the next twenty years. Ooh, I like that. I, I'm not biased here. I'm just gonna throw out a fact to think about. But uh, my man Tiger's played in. Way more tournaments. I don't remember him ever uh, kicking one out, kicking anyone out. And I mean, he's he's not only been yelled at. He he had a banana thrown at him. Literally had a banana thrown at him. That that person remained watching golf for the rest of the tournament. So anyway, just a just a fact to mull on there. Or did Stevie go over there and kill him? Probably a good segue into kind of like what like <laughs> yeah, actually uh, kind of racial undertones aside, like the sort of things that really, like, kicks under Justin's skin. Like, I'm trying to remember back from, like, the Tiger heyday from what was allowed from, like, a fan technology and fan behavior standpoint. Like, I distinctly remember going to U.S. Opens at the Black Horse and having to hand in my cell phone. What do you – sorry, Zeph, what do you mean by Black Horse? <laughs> Beth Page Black <laughs> – I can't believe it. I can't believe it took me a second to get that joke. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to leave that one alone before I get my second joke. Um, the, <laughs> the most difficult course at Beth Page State Park. Uh, you used to have to turn in your cell phones to go to golf tournaments. But like Now even like when we were at the President's Cup, I mean, every single person's got their cell phone up. And like, if there's Fifty people taking a picture next to you. Of course, one of them's got to forget to take it off silent. And um, I, I think that's what's really frustrating JT a lot. Is like he just feels like he constantly has to deal with this stuff, kind of in his downswing. I, I don't know what the right answer is. Like what, whether fans should still be allowed to have cell phones, whether players should just like, get accustomed to it and. and deal with it or what? What do you guys think? But it drives me freaking nuts on TV when every time they show the gallery, every single person in the gallery has their phone out taking a picture or a video. Do any of these people watch the goddamn golf tournament? Yeah, watch watch it with your freaking eyes. Like the, the few times who, who, are, who are they sh- who are they showing these pictures and videos to later? 
Like, I, I think they should just have an official cameraman, like, follow around each grouping and take pictures of all the shots and make them available to the people who were, like, paid for tickets for the gallery that day, and then you won't have to deal with it. Like, take a break from your cell phone for six hours. I don't know. If it's affecting play that much, and if that's... I think that's a good idea. Have, like, like you're, you're, the only thing you're missing out on is pictures. That's, I think that's a good idea. It's like a, it's like a wedding. Like, you have, like, a camera, like, a professional camera person following around the, the situation, taking cool pics. Yeah, I like, like you, cool you, will, you will get a picture of every single golf shot that happened on the course that day. So, like, now we just don't have to deal with you setting off a flash or a shutter click during someone's downswing. I'm, I'm okay with cell phones in inside the tournament. I just don't, don't like people taking all the pictures and the videos. Like, if I want to take my phone in and shoot a text to somebody and let them know where I am, like, hey, Tom, I'm on the 16th hole. Come meet me over here. That's convenient. But I don't like the idea of the entire crowd videoing every single second of the golf tournament so they can pick one of 4,000 videos and put it on Instagram. Actually, now that I think about it, I think that's the rule at 16 at the Phoenix tournament, at the Waste Management, is, like, you can have a phone, but you can't actually take pictures there. Like, they, they'll tell you to put your phone back in your pocket and take a picture, which... Yeah, yeah. that's because they don't want you to know what's going down on 16 at the Waste Management. That's for a different reason. Yeah, I mean, it's partly nudity-related, but, you know, is in line with our system. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like once you have this cell phone, it, it's tough to uh, kind of regulate what you do with it. Speaking of nudity... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of nudity, uh, we should spend just one second uh, talking about Rafa Cabrera-Bello uh, and his uh, performance at the WGC. I feel like we've seen his name on leaderboards uh, relatively frequently lately, but this is the first time we got got a real good look at him uh, on Sunday in a big tournament. What a, what a good-looking guy, huh? Yeah, I never realized it. I don't know if it was those neon shades, but I just, like, walked by the TV, and, like, my wife was on the couch, and I was just like, oh, who is that stallion? Um, <clears throat> he's just a handsome, handsome fella, and being Spanish does not hurt. He's like a combination of all the, like, other hot Spanish golfers. You know what I mean, John? <laughs> like Sergio and John Rahm? <laughs> I was thinking of, like, Seve and, uh, and Jose Maria Olazabal. Uh, we we like to joke about uh, Stella Artois, potential Stella Artois sponsors on this podcast, like as a put down. But I think he would actually be a great Stella Artois sponsor. Yeah, Stella, or like there's like a like Estrella Dan is like a good Spanish like high end beer, um, so, something classy for that gentleman. He, he, I I wouldn't be shocked to see him on a Heineken commercial one day. I think they. They try to pretend that they're more upscale than they really are. <laughs> yeah, something classy and and more and moist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it made the night. He totally dominates Adam Scott. I feel like Adam Scott used to be the guy that your that that got your wife's attention during the golf tournament, but um, I think that's I think Rafa took that title. Believe so. All right, let's now uh, focus in on some of the other Brodable finishes from the WGC Mexico. Uh, Smiley didn't play, but I think it's worth us spending a minute or two on him. What do you think, John? I, I, I do. 
Uh, what was his finish in the Honda? What did he miss the cut by? Like 15 strokes the week before? At least. At least. Yeah. And he, and he shot both rounds in the 80s. I would have loved to have seen what he would have shot in Mexico, forced to play all four rounds. I'm thinking plus minus 30 over par would have been a good number for him. Guys, also factor in the fact that you had to do math on every shot and, like, add 15% to your normal distances. And, like, just think about <laughs> how many... Smiley how doesn't many strike you as a math guy, Zeph. He doesn't strike you as a math guy. <laughs> how many greens would he have flown? Or, like, how about all of those, like, alleyways that you had, like, a narrow, long, like, bat cave to, like, hit your driver and tee shot through? Like, <laughs> how many would he have just, like, shanked and hit, like, 75-yard tee shots because he, like, didn't make it out of the chute? <laughs> and he probably he probably wouldn't have gone out the night before either. Mexico City, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably not too many Coronas uh, and tequila shots in uh <laughs> It is a good question if Natty Light even actually like exports there, but uh <laughs> Smiley may not know. Uh I reckon not. Uh, also, uh, broadly finishing, uh, Duffner. Duffner actually had a decent tournament going, um, which was, which was doing well for his, like, I don't have a hat sponsor. I'm going to draw attention to my hat, uh, thing. But then he shot eight over in the final round. I don't think that that's going to be good for his hat sponsorship, uh, situation. I mean, we're talking about him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about we've talked about like five golfers so far, and Duffner's one of them. So maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I wonder, like, what what is, what does he think the end game is there? Is he is he basically like a holdout in the NFL, like who didn't get the offer that he wants, and so he's like, okay, I'm not going to play until I get the deal that I deserve. Is that is that like what he's doing? Serious question. I I think that's basically it. Uh, some other golf golf pods, a, a less popular golf pod than ours, uh, had Duffner's agent on the other day. And he was essentially saying that if you don't have a deal for a sponsor before the season, you pretty much don't have one for the season. And mm. so I think they're just, they're just holding out. They didn't get the deal they wanted, and so they are having fun with it. I mean, no one has, like, a hat sponsor, right? They just have, like, either an equipment or apparel sponsor who, like, appears on the hat. Like, are you saying he doesn't have, like, an equipment sponsor that he can wear, like, a a ping or cobra hat? So, apparently, the real estate on the front of your hat is the most valuable real estate in terms of sponsorships. And it's not necessarily, like, an apparel company. Like, Phil has KPMG on his hat, and they probably give Phil a million dollars a year, right? So Duffner probably yeah. had some pipe dream of a number that he wanted for someone to yeah. take up that real estate and for whatever reason just didn't get it. And so he's holding out and saying, fuck it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock a Yo Love Met pass this week. So he's, he, was, he was, like, holding out for, like, Arby's or, like, something, and they just they fucking – he just decided to take a goose egg this year. Oh, they decided to sponsor Beef instead of Duffner. I mean, I, I, at one point, I wanted to give him credit and think, like, hey, maybe this is, like, a Tane Stewart thing, rest in peace, who, like, he would always, like, wear something or the colors of the local football team for whatever tournament he was at. Because he's been doing stuff that's been, like, like 
obviously relevant to the the area he's playing in, but he he just <laughs> couldn't line up the sponsor. Can we maybe we should be Duffner's uh, marketing agent or something? <laughs> we should just come up with something. We should buy the we should buy the rights to his hat. Like how much money do you think we could scrape together to put uh, the name of our golf pod on his hat? I mean, he's got to be <laughs> one of the, the worst 50, idea. He's got to be one of the fifty most recognizable players on tour. Like, how can he not get a fucking logo on his hat? Well, I think that's what what happened is he was basically getting like normal golfer offers for his hat uh, real estate. Um, and he was like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm worth more than that. Yeah, but, like, what's going to happen to the Jason Duffner brand if he takes, like, half a mil to put, like, fucking anything on there? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I like, I, <laughs> I like the Jason Duffner brand just as a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> you must protect the Jason Duffner brand. <laughs> Actually, I, I may or may not have listened to that, uh, other golf podcasts, uh, podcasts where they interviewed his agent that John referred to, and uh, the agent was using like a lot of language like that. Like the the sponsor just has to to match the story and the brand of the athlete. And I was like, are we talking about Jason Duffner in this? Is that you're talking about? Ah, uh, I just I uh, so perfect that Natty White is just smiling. It's just. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish him well. I want him to play better. I like his antics, but it's just so perfect that he's oh, just at the bottom of the battle right now. He's sponsored by Natty White. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Drew Brees is a one sports bar. <laughs> All right. I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll, Duffner's hat will continue to be a focus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until next time. Yeah. In other sponsorship news, uh, a couple different media outlets are reporting that uh, Viagra is actually now the title sponsor for uh, Patrick Cantlay. Uh, is, is that true, or are you guys just jerking my chain over here? I saw you guys sent that out on an email today, and I could not believe that was actually a true story. I mean... <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> what do you mean by report, and what do you mean by some podcast? <laughs> Got it. Okay. Uh, uh, we'll edit that out. By the way, do the announcers really have to, like, slow down when they pronounce his name? Like, I just assumed it was Cantley. I'm like, all right, if it's Cantley, it's fine. But they really, like, slow it down. Like, Patrick Cantley. I, that's what made me think about it. Like, they, it they're, like, it asking worse. you for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zep, you're also our media specialist. Uh, tell us about Tom Lovelady. Just just a great troll this week. Like, I don't know if he's buddies with JT or not, but JT sent an Instagram post kind of congratulating Phil um, and, you know, hey, bummer, I didn't win the playoff. <laughs> you know, Tony Finau's like, hey, congrats, buddy. Enjoy enjoy the free time, Phil. And Lovelady comes in like, I wonder if anyone got kicked out this week. Like, just <laughs> throwing, throwing the shit out of JT. Like, he's savage. <laughs> full, 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 full disclosure, though, JT and Lovelady are, like, best friends. They played on the Alabama golf team together. Oh, okay. Oh. Say, like, would have been, it would have been, like, been way cooler if he was just, like, a web.com player who had no relationship with JT at all. That, yeah, that's like actually if, what I thought. Like, he was just being confrontational for fun, too. Yeah, like, if Patrick Cantlay said that, that would have been just... <laughs> 
for like if Cameron Smith was like <laughs> trolling JT very publicly. Okay, we're talking Brodables. John, uh, quickly, are we worried about Jordo yet? He's, he he always misses short putts, but he's missing them bad lately. What's going on? He he is putting terribly. I don't know. I'm a little worried. He he's 60th on the money list right now in six events, um, which is not I mean, he made six hundred thousand dollars. Not too bad. But I don't know. I'm a little worried about his putting, though his ball striking has been exceptional. So if he can turn that around, I think it'll be pretty good. What do you think, Zeph? He's your alter ego. Uh, you know, it, it's so weird. Like, he's so much more comfortable putting from 15 to 30 feet than he is from 3 to 5 feet. It's, like, totally really bizarre. Like, I don't know if he just needs to give up um, the look at the hole thing and kind of especially at that, like, kind of cutoff point for when he stops looking at the hole. There has been a lot of talk, though, about how, you know, the last two tournaments when it looks like he's had the yips, it's been putting on really shitty – not shitty. Well, one one shitty Poa Green in Mexico, and one Poa Green at the Genesis. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm not good enough to know the difference between two different types of greens, but it, it sounds like that's been playing tricks with him, and it's in his head. And he's doing he's doing something weird, um, kind of at a dress that's making him just kind of stab at the ball. But some of them aren't close. His like body language is just so bad when he. It's short putts. Like, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not Dr. Bob Rotella, sports psychologist, but he just looks like an unhappy, uh, like, person with Tourette's or something when he's hitting three-footers. And like you said, he's so, like, cool and calm and, like, confident when he's putting a 25-footer. It's weird. I, I just think, like, he he seems to be, again, like, <laughs> I don't know, this is just kind of the, the narrative around it. Like, everyone talks about how mentally strong he is. I think, like, if, if there's anyone who can kind of get past that, it's it's probably him and Tiger. Like, you know, look how quickly Tiger got rid of his chipping hips. <laughs> that was an, those were injury-related, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought we agreed not to talk about that. Something tells me, though, that uh, Jordan, I don't know, he's just so comfortable at Augusta, he's going to – I feel like going forward, even when he plays bad at Augusta, he's going to get like 15th, but he's going to get there this year, and the vibes are going to be good, and he's going to have a good finish there, and that's going to propel him to a good rest of his year. I don't think you can ever count him out, right? Like, I, I don't think there's anyone who wouldn't put him in their top, like, seven people to win the Masters. Can we segue into the Masters? Yeah, we we had this uh, not brotables, uh uh, thing on the on the plan here, but I can't even. I hate putting Ian Poulter's name in my mouth. Um, and something tells me his his Instagram presence is going to continue to deteriorate and make us cringe even more. So should we just put that one on ice guys? What do you think? Sure. Um, but yes, I think I think we can avoid talking about Ian Poulter, Tom. You can just continue to troll him on his Instagram account. Please, yeah. I, I got I, I confronted him directly on Instagram actually uh, this this week and uh, he didn't respond. Well, he hasn't responded yet. Um, yeah, let's let's transition. Let's transition into talking about the the Masters and then we'll uh, we'll we'll save the focus piece for last. John, why don't you, why don't you just give us an overview of uh, of what you want to talk about, what to expect, what are we looking for? I mean, I got a couple of good storylines for the Masters. One, Tiger and Phil both coming in hot. Does it get any better than that? No. No. <laughs> it does not. It does not. It, 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 does, it does not at all. I also am excited about 
the the where Justin and Jordo are both at coming into this thing. I think there's going to be a lot of hype around their friendship and sort of who's the little brother in the relationship now with Justin being so hot. Jordan's going to be a little pissed about it. I think we're going to see a lot of storylines. I've been thinking about that. about that one. I'm excited about that, too. Justin Thomas has won, like, seven times in the last 31 events or something. Is that right? That's crazy. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, there's probably now, it's, I think it's seven out of the last 33 now after this one, and it's, like, a ridiculous run. And I think it also came out recently, like, someone in the know when uh, Justin Thomas was, like, a step away from being relevant on the tour it was like he's going to have more wins or more majors than Jordan Spieth. And it was like right after Jordan Spieth made his run um, of, I think, back-to-back majors. Uh, so it's very interesting. Right now, by the way, Jordan Spieth has better – is more of a favorite to win the Masters than Justin Thomas. Interesting. I'm not a – that doesn't necessarily surprise me, though. No, I mean, there's like there's someone. Yeah, he had a run of like he had a run of like T two win T two right. Before yeah, exactly. Year. Yeah, exactly. Someone did a uh, I don't know what you call like a study or did some math on like the sort of like the correlation year over year of finishes in the Masters. Like basically, like are you better? at the Masters year over year than you are at other tournaments, and, like, it's more sort of, like, correlated year over year. This, that, was, uh, that was a deep dive on math by Tom McAndrews. Um, so, so basically, year-to-year year performance is stickier. That, like, yeah, prior, prior performance is a better indicator at the Masters, which makes sense because it's the same course every year. <laughs> yeah, but even more than <laughs> normal PGA Tour tournaments that are at the same course every year. Got it. So even more so than like East Lake. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Got it. I don't know how they did it, but that was the headline. It was written Ooh. in exact words. I just I just read the headline verbatim right there. <laughs> so you, you, didn't, you didn't actually read the article. Cool. It's on the internet. It must be true. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Unfortunately, too. Uh, thinking of Masters storylines, Bubba is starting to play a little bit better, which people forget he's a two-time uh, Masters champion. Um, can we can we disinvite him from the tournament? Isn't that who they replaced uh, Sharma with? <laughs> Is that what they did? They <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like, Sharma seems like a nice guy. We're just gonna, <laughs> based on his his pub last week, throw Bubba out and and put him in the mix. Is that is that what happened? Do they essentially have sponsors exemptions for the Masters? Like. I didn't. I didn't realize that was a thing, but apparently it is, and I guess it's a. The article I read made it sound like it was like a globalization type of a exemption. Yeah. So someone who is up and coming on the global, like on a global level, that just doesn't have the events necessarily to qualify for the Masters. They just put them in there, probably get ratings in whatever country they're from. Yeah, like, hey, what 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 switch can we flip to get some percentage of a billion-person country to watch the Masters? Exactly. Like, hey, like, you I, know, I, ten, I don't know ten years Honor ago they were throwing Hideki in there. <laughs> I don't know if Honor Bond's playing, but he kind of sucks lately. So, yeah, maybe they're just hoping this young guy will get some Indian viewers. I mean, I don't hate that rule. I like that rule. It's crazy you got, like, a top ten and losing contention in this first ever PGA Tour tournament, I think it's a 
Yeah. So, yeah. Don't, don't put it past a bunch of uh, middle-aged white guys to try to make a buck. <laughs> M- middle-aged white guys plus Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. We, uh... For folks who are interested in a deep dive on the Valspar coming up this week, uh, tune in to our next episode. We're going to do a, do a full app uh, deep dive in the Valspar. Uh, obviously, very excited about that one with with Tiger uh, playing um, five of the top 13 in the world. Should be a good one. Um, but tune in to tomorrow's episode for that. Uh, yeah, and also stay tuned, Tom. Are, are we going to try to do some kind of like live featured pairing uh running running verbal diaries of like Tiger and Jordo on Thursday and Friday. I mean our listeners have been asking for it, Matt, so uh, I can't think of a good reason not to do it, can you? No, I, anything I can do to uh kind of avoid reality. Samesies. And uh for, for some of our new listeners, why don't you just give them the thirty second uh overview of what the bet is and why we're so interested in Tiger playing. Sure. I mean, it's not that you need a lot more reasons to be interested in Tiger playing, but, um, you know, I, I, I've kind of always been a um, respect, respect Tiger's past performance, but let, let's not pretend that he's a, a kind of the, the player he once was, and any time he hits a full shot successfully, you know, he, he's fully back. So uh, Tom and I, Made a bet about a year ago whether a ta- whether Tiger Woods, uh, Eldrick Tiger Woods would win a major before the end of the 2020 golf season, uh, even money, um, for an amount of money that's you know not going to change our our lifestyle, but kind of an amount of money that whether you won or lost it in Vegas, you'd lie to your significant other about it. Um, and I took the short side, so I am. Actively rooting against Tiger uh, in majors until the odds of my hedge kind of uh, make it even money. Thank you, thank you for that overview. Yeah, and that your your side of the bet was looking a lot better uh, pre pre Honda Classic. I mean, if I had to, so I let's see, there, there's 12 majors left, right, in our bet. I I don't think Tiger should be a 12 to one favorite yet. Um, unless he starts ripping off wins in non-majors. So I am still um, – I would do the bet over again, but I'm not quite as confident as I was nine months ago. Okay, very diplomatic answer there, Matt. Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be talking about that one again as well. Okay, let's, uh, let's go to this week's focus piece, Party Boys on the PGA Tour. Uh, we each, we each picked one. I'm real excited about mine. Uh, who, who do you guys think should go first? I think you should go first, Tom. Set the tone. Okay. So I'll set the tone. Okay. So, yeah, party boys of the PGA Tour. Tournament was in Mexico this week. Tigers coming back. Uh, spring. Had a thinking party boys. Um, so we each picked one, like I said. Smiley, Smiley's been on a hot streak, so that was on the top of our mind. <laughs> yeah, Smiley's still alive and has a PGA Tour card. That's another reason to party. Um, so I I picked Tommy Armour the third. Um, he's a 58 year old uh, senior tour golfer at this point. Um, he, he actually looks like he's about 90 years old, but he's 58. Uh, for some of our younger listeners who may not know who he is, he's actually the grandson of the guy that the clubs are named after, uh, the, the Tommy Armour 
uh, irons. Um, he's a he's a two time winner on the PGA Tour. Um, one of his two wins in the Phoenix Open, which which makes a lot of sense. So Tommy is known as a playboy. He wore very very fancy clothes. Who's known for doing a lot of partying. Known for especially doing a lot of spending. Um, which is interesting because he didn't make a lot of money on the PGA Tour. Like I said, he only won two times. Uh, apparently, his philosophy for for sort of saving money and funding that lavish lifestyle was to save money on lodging. He was uh, called by a few as a habitual house guest, um, which I love. Uh, a couple of the other anecdotes that I love about Tommy Armour, he went to Pat Perez's bachelor party in Cabo in 2009. He's like 20 years older than Pat Perez. He went to his bachelor party. Uh, he <laughs> Someone obviously interviewed him at, on his way back from the bachelor party, asked him what his hi- the highlight of the bachelor party was. He said, Steve Elkington's dancing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny to think about. <laughs> um, why did why did Pat Perez have all these old dudes at his bachelor party? Yeah, it's who a was great... Pat Perez in 2009? <laughs> yeah. He's like, let me get let me get Tommy Armour, the nearly 60-year-old party boy. Let me get Steve Elkington, who's most notable for just being racist now. <laughs> and the three of us will go go do Cabo. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know who else went. We should we should like try to get a try to get the guest list from that. That's a follow-up. And then like Fast forward nine years, Pat Perez is still, like, having birthday parties with Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas there. So, uh, (laughs) Pat Pat Perez gets around. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And, we're yeah, we're going to connect all these dots in my my last fun fact here. But uh, he only drinks wine, beer, and tequila. A lot of people know him for this party he throws at the Byron Nelson. He used to throw it every year. Uh, stopped doing it in 2010. Um, it is it, apparently super raucous. Uh, uh, you, you know, you were you were pretty cool if you got invited. Uh, one year they they used quote near naked women as sushi platters end quote like <laughs> not not like near naked women were serving sushi platters, but the near naked women like were the sushi platters. Um, so that's pretty inventive. Uh, good quote from Tommy. Said, Would you sacrifice your lifestyle to be number one in the official world golf rankings? He says, well, obviously, no, I wouldn't because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the logic is, is super like uh, linear there, but I love that. Uh, the last one, uh, to connect all the dots. He was literally sponsored by Discovery Land uh, up until a couple of years ago, which is the the like development firm that built Baker's Bay. Um, and he even at one point was rocking a Baker's Bay hat, like in tournament competition. So, you know, <laughs> shout out, shout out Justin, shout out Spring Break Crew, shout out Pepperez, shout out Smiley. Um, what, was anyway. he was he sponsored, or do you think he was just pulling a, a duff and then was rocking whatever hat he found in his closet that day? That's a good point. I mean, I think I think Tommy's a live paycheck to paycheck type guy, so I'm guessing that he he was sponsored. But uh, I didn't I didn't talk to his agent. Shot 26 under uh, when he won the Valero Texas Open in 2003. By the way, oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's made, hopefully he's made, four, he's made four million bucks on the Champions Tour. Yeah, he's been pretty good on the Champions Tour. I think he's still playing too, which is 
a lot of guys don't don't play out there till they're 58 like he is, especially when they look like they're going to have a heart palpitation any second. Uh, he made he made ten he made ten million bucks on the PGA Tour. Did he? He got some cash. Yeah. Is is, is there a Tommy Armour the fourth or several of them? <laughs> That's a great question. That'd be a that'd be a question I'd direct to Tommy. <laughs> well, well, well let's, let's reach out to him on Instagram and see what up. I don't think yeah. I mean, if, he if he's not... on the if, if he's on the Champions Tour, then you know Tommy Armour the fourth. If he's alive, I think his his ship has sailed for uh, giving his PGA Tour card. It's <laughs> a, a good point. All right, that's Tommy Armour the third. Hopefully, that was uh, somewhat educational for the younger listeners out there. Who's next? Uh, mine's going to be quick, so I'll go. Um, my legendary party boy of the day is uh, Dustin Johnson, who, you know, a lot of a lot of these things have been well documented, uh, but I want I did a deeper dive into some things that I either never knew or forgot about. Um, so we'll skip over the, the really well-publicized stuff like getting caught for weed and or cocaine, um, banging Insta models and having affairs with other PGA Tour players' wives that has all been covered ad nauseum. Um, one thing I want to bring <laughs> up is that doesn't it seem like a lot more recent than 2014 that he was suspended from the PGA Tour? Like I would have guessed it was like 2016, like two years ago, not a, not a full four years ago that his suspension happened. Um, you said it was 2014. Way more recent. 2014 is when he got suspended for cocaine. That makes sense. He's had two kids since then. Um, yeah, it just, it just seemed like it was like pretty, uh, you know, it left, left a mark in my mind that I, I would have thought it was way more recent. Uh, one thing I, again, either didn't know or, or kind of put it out of my mind was that in 2012 was the infamous jet ski incident. Um, apparently he was doing a different kind of skiing because he got suspended from the tour. And, uh, <laughs> His story was that he hurt his back lifting a jet ski. And then to the point where when the 2014 suspension came out, uh, a notable and prominent caddy on tour said, what, did he hurt himself lifting another jet ski? (laughs) I guess it was fairly common knowledge on tour that he was suspended in 2012 for the same thing. Uh, Big fan of Fireball, apparently. Uh, if you look on his Instagram historically, there are some nice pictures of just coolers of, like, multiple bottles of Fireball on a boat. And, like, not a yacht. Like, it's a boat that, like, eight people could fit on, and they had equally as many bottles of Fireball on ice in the cooler. Uh, which, I guess was the impetus, which I guess was the impetus for doing backflips off the boat and just being so athletic that you jump so far that you almost crack your skull open on the outboard motor of your neighboring boat. Um, <laughs> that was probably about an 18-inch clearance on that one, um, but good for him on the hops. Uh, let's see. He was drinking Fireball out of Brooks Kepka's U.S. Open trophy in Vegas. No way. In Vegas, it was Dustin's birthday but it was right after Brooks won the U.S. Open, and they brought the cup to a Vegas nightclub, and they got it on video, and the, the no pun intended, strangest thing about the whole story is that the person who first broke the story to the world 
was Curtis Strange. <laughs> <laughs> what? Curtis Strange was what was Curtis Strange doing in Vegas? Kurt, Curtis Strange, I don't know if he was in Vegas, but he's the one who like screenshotted the Snapchat and posted it. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> but he was just like, yeah, it was like in Vegas at a nightclub like a bunch of girls coming out in like the big letters that say Dustin and then they're just slugging fireball out of the U.S. Open trophy. It was unbelievable. What's the U.S. Open trophy? That's not the Wanamaker, is it? I don't think no, so. No, that's the PGA. Know. I forget what the U.S. Open trophy is called. And it's not the Claret Jug, obviously. Okay, interesting. Um, all right, quick hitter. It's not, it's not, it's not, the, uh, green, it's not the green jacket either, just to no. check all the other majors up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the FedEx Cup. Um... Let's see, like, he doesn't just go to Oktoberfest. He, like, dresses up his wife as the hottest St. Pauli girl ever. Um, let's see. Getting a little darker, there was a 2009 DUI that I had no idea about. And back in 2001, as a uh, as a teen growing up in South Carolina, um, he's, like, older brother's friends was a bad dude, and I guess he was, like, just running with a, a weird cast of characters. Uh, <laughs> one of them stole a gun, and Dustin was present when the gun was robbed, and that gun was later used to murder somebody. And Dustin, um, kind of, in exchange for immunity, pleaded against him or testified against him. Um, and ended up with, like, no jail time or, like, sanctions or anything. But um, he's been getting after it for a while, and I'm glad he's cleaned up his act and got into more fun stuff like like fireball and backflips. But it's pretty dark for a while. Um, but yeah, it, apparently if we can we pause, a, can we pause for a second? I, I just need to take, first take a deep breath. Uh, second, say that I like Dustin more than I did, you know, 10 minutes ago. And third... Like, who is his PR slash media person that is just the, the best at their job? It's amazing, right? How did I not hear about any un- of this stuff? It's unbelievable, especially considering, like, it's such a it's such a surprise for golfers, right? Like, they're supposed to have this squeaky clean image. You'd think if they, like, did stuff like that, that it would be just, like, more... Um, more of a story when it happened, but it's, maybe it's because most of it happened before he was a name brand. But it's just unbelievable that the stuff isn't talked about more. And I, I, again, I don't want to turn this into like airing his dirty laundry because um, I think it's, it's a lot of times it's awesome to be a party boy. But um, yeah, it's just interesting to hear like all the stuff that I hadn't heard about before and just kind of his like history of just getting after it. But I think from his perspective, it's more about who he's hanging out with. Like, he is like the menacing older brother of a friend. Um, you know, if he wasn't on the PGA Tour, you know, he wouldn't be banging other PGA Tour players' wives. Um, you know, Paulina, Paulina can't be a good influence. Like, listen, if, if Brooks Kepka didn't win the U.S. Open, he wouldn't be drinking fireball out of the U.S. Open trophy. So I think it's more about who he chooses to hang out with, and, uh, you know, hopefully he figures it out. That's all I got yeah. on DJ. Yeah, I hope he figured it out too, Matt. <laughs> Do we think that the uh, Masters fall down the stairs last year was just uh, another jet ski type of an incident? I was going to say, Matt, as the resident expert, what do you think? So the only um, – you, c- you can't put it past him, and I don't know how good an actor he is. The, the only 
Um, I, I'd have to re-look at the tape, but apparently he did go to the driving range and walk to the first tee and then at the last minute say, like, hey, I can't do it. So unless you, like, is that, like, a Tiger Woods level of acting where he, like, fakes a back injury to withdraw from the tournament? Like, in this case, before it starts versus being in danger of missing the cut? Um, I would say that it was a legit injury. Okay. Uh, I, well, I think, John, I agree with the legit injury. I think we're, we were potentially questioning the, uh, the cause of the injury. The injury. Like, what, what, like, was he, like, whacked off his tree on, like, fireball and cocaine and fell down the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, tough to say. <laughs> All right. Bring us home, John. Well, so that was uh, very quick, Zep. I had you clocked at, at nine minutes after you said it was going to be a very, very quick dialogue about DJ. Mine, yeah, mine, mine, will, not, mine will not go nine minutes. I, I, I won't interject on yours, then. Well, I would say that, I would say that I'm already getting um, – multiple tweets about uh, bringing back this segment next week. So uh, it seems like the people like Party Boys. People like Party Boys. I, 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 I didn't realize we were broadcasting this pod live, Tom. Oh, yeah, we are. Sweet. Maybe, or actually, no, I think it's just my neighbors that can hear us, and they're just tweeting a bunch of times now that I'm looking at it harder. Yeah, <laughs> good point, John. <laughs> it's just Sandy from the other room. No, Sandy's not here. Bashing it tonight, man. Uh huh. Fancy boy. Yeah. All right, John, you're on the clock. All right, so speaking of fancy boys, Anthony Kim. Some of the listeners out there may not know who Anthony Kim is. He or was. was the f- or, or was. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Anthony Kim has, has fallen, fallen off the radar. He uh, kind of was the. The first of the up-and-coming young guns that were labeled as the next Tiger Woods. And, man, was he fun to watch, but he was even more fun to hear about and to see in his party element. I had the pleasure of living in the same city, Dallas, Texas, as my friend Anthony Kim, and encountered him on several occasions at some of the local hotspots, but most notably on a Tuesday night around 7 p.m. in the middle of the golf season at a taco bar in Dallas, Texas. Anthony Kim was buying <laughs> bottles bottles for the bar, pouring tequila, standing on top of the bar with all of his little groupies around, blackout drunk at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. And that is just, wow. the, beginning, that is just the beginning of the tone that AK set for the world. Wow. Do you mind if I ask about the demographics of the groupies? Um, they were kind of looking like you and me, but like 10 years ago. That's a bad set of groupies. Yeah, yeah not, a, not a good set of groupies, and, and lots, of, lots of female groupies around as well. Mm. So AK on the tour had a bit of a reputation as being a party boy, obviously. I was uh, reading a story the other day about... Anthony Kim at the President's Cup one year. Um, he apparently was out till four o'clock in the morning, hammered ass drunk, showed up less than five hours later, and just smoked Robert Allenby five and three. Um, 
smoked. <laughs> and in the press conference afterwards, Alan B. had the gall to say, you know, maybe I would have played better if I would have gotten pissed drunk and stayed out till 4 o'clock in the morning like Anthony Kim did. And AK, AK then asked about it in his press, press conference said, yeah, well, maybe Alan B. should just practice more. <laughs> 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 wow, Allenby. Yeah, ouch. AK also at a tournament in Vegas WD'd because of a quote unquote thumb injury. Oh. After after a little bit of digging, um <clears throat> people were perusing these social medias and someone wrote a story finding a tweet from the club DJ where AK was partying the night before. And his tweet read, quote-unquote, AK is an animal. 115 bottles. And then to top it off, a $25,000 bottle of Dom, which he showered the dance floor with. Wow. That tweet came out at 3.30 a.m., about eight hours before AK WD from the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That was yeah. the injury, though, right? Uh, that was not the injury. No, I don't actually know what the injury was. Um, but long story short, he accepted a payout from his insurance for whatever injury he had to no longer play golf. And if he ever steps foot on a competitive golf course, he forfeits the eight-figure payday that he got from his insurance company. So he had the foresight to be like, I am such a fucking animal that I'm definitely going to hurt myself one day. Let me let me pay the premiums on this eight-figure insurance policy against myself because it's probably going to happen soon. Good yeah, it's basically the same. It's the same thing as like a, a college football player going into a bowl game, except AK was like, I'm just going to protect myself against myself. And yeah. take out this insurance policy. Wow. Yeah. And we we don't know dumb. exactly we don't know exactly what the payout was though, right, John? The speculation was it was north of ten million dollars. But I mean, it must have been way north of that, right? Because if you win, like whoever wins the money uh, the money list this year will make like between what like seven and eleven million, right? It's not it's not like that was how much he was going to make over his career. Like he he probably would have made much more than that. Right. So I yeah. think um, so. A few factors is that it's. Uh, I think it's ten. Like let's just say it was ten million. Like I think it's ten million cash, and you don't have to like incur the expenses of being a PGA Tour golfer. That's a good point. Maybe he just doesn't like playing golf. <laughs> maybe, maybe, and and I wonder if he's already spent that ten million, and so if he starts to play golf again, he's got to pay that ten million back. So he's already starting with like a ten million dollar hole that he's got to crawl out of when he does start playing golf. Ah, there's a there's a cash flow situation. Yeah, maybe there was a situation where the time value of money for Anthony Kim was was very accelerated. <laughs> like 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 if, if, I, if, if I don't if I don't come up with eight million. Quick, I'm going to lose my other thumb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, uh, applying a high high discount rate to the future, as the uh, <laughs> financiers in the audience might say. <laughs> 
not going to waste any more time on AK. I would want to leave you with one final quote from him, though. Um, please. When asked, please. When, asked, when asked about his party boy lifestyle, he said, and I quote, if you don't like the way I live, change the channel. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I like, I mean, I, I almost want to revisit Allenby, just like the cocksuckery of getting your ass kicked and then using that as an excuse to, like, kind of, like, throw dirt on a guy who just beat your ass. <laughs> Especially when, like, you're admitting that some guy who's, like, half drunk just beat your ass. <laughs> Robert Allenby and, and Ian James Poulter, I'll bet, uh, would have a lot to talk about. Yeah, they're both. <laughs> they're good pals. <laughs> All right, folks, that's our show. Uh, on behalf of Matt, John, and Anthony Kim, sorry for partying. Sorry for partying. Love you guys. <laughs> sorry for partying.